Now can you hear me? There we go. Go ahead and find your seats if you would, please. I see lots of you with food and drink in your hands, so I'm not going to ask you to reach for your phone, but I know that just about everybody has one of these devices with you. Am I right this morning? Just about everybody. And have you ever noticed, oh, yours is in your car, Dina. You left it in your car. All right. So you won't be able to relate to this this moment, but you probably have at some point. Do you know what a big distraction this device can be? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those of you that were sitting behind me over in this section during worship, you probably saw me. Somebody sent me a text, and I looked at the, I was worshiping and loving Jesus, and somebody sent me a text, and I read the text, and it was so good, I had to share it with Jeff. And so then both of us were, we lost our focus on Jesus, and we're just looking at the phone. You know what I'm saying? And this happens to us, doesn't it? All day, every day. Oh, Rosar's got, they've got a sale on T-bones. Good. Or, or my wife texts me and it goes off in the middle of a meeting or the news flashes. President Trump tweeted, what? And, and the distraction is incredible. This thing can be a huge, it's a wonderful tool. Wouldn't you agree with me? Which is why we all carry one. But it can also be a distraction. But we have lots of distractions in our lives. There's tons of them. And sometimes we don't even uh, make ourselves aware at how really good things can become distractions, like your hobbies or your recreation. Those are good things, but they can become distractions. Or you've probably never thought about this. What about your family or your career or your pursuit of money, security? These things are all good things, but they can become distractions in our lives. And today, we t- as we take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to see that Paul is addressing some very serious distractions. And these are things that are not bad things. They're actually good things, but they can become distractions. And this is what was happening in the city of Corinth, in the church that Paul had planted, that now they were having this conversation that we know as the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you've got your Bibles open, you can follow along with me this morning, or everything's going to be up on the screen. We're going to start right at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, and here's what we read in verse 1. Paul says to the Corinthian believers, now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, let me ask you, do you know what the question is? Anybody know what the question was? Nobody at all. Awesome got you right where I want you. How many of you guessed that the question was about sex? You would never guess that. The question was about sex. Let's keep reading. Now, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, Paul says, watch this, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. And all of the 21st century American Christians said, what? You've got to be kidding me. And what we see here is that these Christians in Corinth were distracted over a cultural question and an issue about celibacy as it relates to marriage. 
there was a teaching going on that turned out to be a false teaching that was leading some people to believe that they, even though they were married, they ought to be celibate. And I know that nobody in this room can at all relate to that. But Paul was calling them out as a distraction. They thought that they could serve Jesus better, even though they were married, if they just practiced celibacy. And Paul addresses that. And in this chapter, again, we're going to fly at about 10,000 feet today. But in this chapter, Paul deals with the distractions as they relate to marriage and singleness and divorce and remarriage. And we're going to unpack all of this today and next week. But here's the reality. As Christians, we understand that we're called to serve the Lord, right? We understand that if we're followers of Christ. We're called to serve the Lord. But we get really distracted by relationships. Love and romance and sex and all the rest of it. We can get really distracted, just like the Corinthians. So I want to ask you this really important question today. You ready for this? Which is better, single or married? (laughs) That was a very emphatic married coming from a married man over here. What's better, single? I'm guessing that if you're here today and you are single, you really, really, really wish you were married. And I'm also guessing, there's some emphatic head shaking in the back over here. But I'm also guessing that if you're married today, you might really, we're not going to go there. Okay, let's just, let's get, okay, let's get to 1 Corinthians. We're doing so well. Let's see what the Bible has to say about our relationship status, okay? Should I, should I be married? Should I be single? What if I'm divorced? What, what's my next step? Let's just, let's just pick and choose some verses from 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to start at verse 17. Here's what Paul says. He says, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. Okay. Well, that's nice, Pastor Russ, but you're just cherry-picking, right? Well, let's look at another verse. Verse 20. Let's see what he says in verse 20. He says, yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Wow, that's, that's really similar to the first one, right? Look at verse 24. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Do you think Paul wants to get our attention? Does he want us to hear something? He keeps repeating the same words again and again and again. Verse 26. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. Why is Paul saying this over and over and over in this chapter? Well, it's pretty simple. It's for this reason. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's because working really hard at changing your relationship status is a big distraction. Working really hard at changing your relationship status is a distraction. I want to keep going. Verse 32 says this. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. 
And then verse 35, the second half of verse 35, really is the thesis statement of this chapter. And Paul says this. Listen to this carefully. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Would you just read this out loud with me? Right right from the screen, read this with me. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So here's what Paul wants us to do. Regardless of your relationship status, what he wants you to hear from chapter 7 is this. Write this down in your notes. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with as few distractions as possible. Now, I told you earlier, this chapter is all about marriage and singleness and divorce and remarriage. And so how does this apply? How does serving the Lord with as few distractions as possible, how does this apply to your relationship status? How does it apply to me? Well, we're going to talk about three things this morning. We're going to talk about how this applies to single people. We're going to talk about how this applies to married people. And we're going to talk about how this applies to divorced or separated people. Okay? What does Paul want me to do in my situation? After all, I know from the Declaration of Independence that I have the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? So what if I'm married and I'm not happy? I don't know why the lights went out, but that was really dramatic, wasn't it? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> what do I do if I'm not happy? <laughs> Go to the bar. That's not what Paul says. So let's start with single people. Here's number one, if you're taking notes. Here's number one. If you're single, Paul wants to encourage you. If you're single, make your focus to serve the Lord. If you're single, friends, serve the Lord. Now, if you're a single person here today, what's your biggest distraction? What's the biggest distraction in your life from really serving the Lord? I'm guessing, I might be wrong, you might choose something different, but I'm guessing that your biggest distraction is trying to find a spouse, trying to find Mr. Right, trying to find Miss Right. And you know how this goes. You start searching. You've made the decision, I'm going to find that person. And it might be at school, it might be at church, it might be at your favorite hangout spot, but you're always scoping. You've just got your eyes wide open and you're looking, right? I, I remember how this is. I was 31 before I got married, so I did a lot of scoping, all right? And you're trying to find the one. And Paul says that this constant searching can become a distraction from really serving the Lord. It can keep you from maximizing your potential of serving the Lord. But there's another distraction that he talks about in this chapter, and I don't want to overlook it. Paul calls it burning with passion. Okay, 21st century Americans would call it, I'm horny. Okay? You guys are out of control. And I fear that it's my own fault, but good golly. Okay, let's just use Paul's words. It's burning with passion. We'll just stay there. 
I knew it was a mistake to use that word. (laughs) Paul says, if you're burning with passion, you should get married. If you can't control your sexual urges, Paul says, yes, get married. And and if you're single today, I, I just want to throw out a challenge to you. I hope you will read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 this week really carefully. Read it really carefully if you're single. Well, it doesn't matter if you're, you're married to us. You need to read this, this this week very carefully. Because Paul doesn't forbid marriage. He doesn't say that getting married is a sin. Thank God I'm married. I'm really glad that I'm blessed to be married. But he also has some strong advice for single people. Because single people can get distracted by the constant searching when the mission of your life is to serve the Lord. The mission of your life is to serve the Lord. And Paul has this huge vision for single people. He says you can change the world if you'll just serve the Lord and minimize the distractions. I want you to think about this. If you're single, maybe you've never had this sudden aha moment. I did when I was about 29 years old. I realized one day, Jesus never got married. Jesus was single. And it dawned on me one day when I was reading the book of Hebrews and I stumbled across this verse. I'm sorry, it was the book of James. James chapter 4, 15 says, This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Jesus was single. He understands my desires. He understands my longings, my yearnings. He he gets it, and he never sinned. And you know what, single people here today? The truth of the matter is, you look a whole lot more like Jesus than us old married people do. Because you're walking out the life of Jesus with him walking with you. And if you're single today, would you consider how you can serve the Lord most effectively? We've got a bunch of single people here at Connect, and I'm so thankful for, for every one of you. And I see single people at Connect walking out, serving the Lord in extraordinary ways. Sometimes it just blows me away as I see what single people are doing with their lives. We've got single people that just immerse themselves in spiritual growth. They just decide, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to grow in my faith. We've had a couple of men uh, who were single, Connectors who decided they're going to go to every single small group they possibly can. And some of them have gone to five and six small groups a week because they want to serve the Lord and they want to learn and they want to grow and they want to develop discipleship relationships. And their focus isn't on scoping out who's my next conquest. What they're scoping out is how can I serve the Lord? That's awesome. Other singles here at Connect dive into volunteering. And they give themselves tirelessly to serving the the Connect Church family. Some of our singles have made themselves available at a moment's notice. And if there's a need, we know we can call that person and bam, they're going to rise to the occasion to meet a need. 
because they've got plenty of time. And I know that's not true of every single person, but some people have said, I've got extra time. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to serve the Lord in whatever capacity I can. I've watched single people develop global ministry focuses. Global ministry focuses in which they realize I've got time, I've got resources, I can go on long-term mission trips, I can serve around the world because there's nothing holding me here. In fact, we've got one married couple here at Connect who met each other because they had developed a global, uh, a global ministry as single people. And uh, the man had become a pastor, as a single person had become a pastor of an international church. And the woman who would become his wife was a missionary in Eastern Europe. And as single people, they were giving their lives to serving the Lord. And then when their lives intersected, they realized God was bringing them together and they could have an impact as a married couple. It was awesome. But they didn't let their singleness prevent them from serving the Lord with every gift and skill that they had. They didn't let the pursuit of marriage become a distraction. What a cool example. And what a cool example that when you give yourself to serving the Lord, you can trust that the Lord is going to take care of your deepest needs and your deepest longings. And listen, I, I, I hope you know today, I, I understand what it's like to be single. Like I said earlier, I was 31 before I got married. And there were long, long years in fact, before Chris and I got married, I think it had been about three years, I hadn't even gone on a date at all, hadn't even gone out on a date, much less hold hands or have a good night kiss, nothing. But I didn't let it stop me from serving the Lord. And I just want to challenge those of you that are single, give your lives to the Lord and minimize the distractions because God has a mission for you and it's awesome. So now let's talk about married people. If you're married, what is Paul calling you to do? Serve the Lord. It's the same thing. You've got the same mission. Serve the Lord. And if you're married today, do you know what your biggest distraction probably is? It's taking care of your family, isn't it? When you're married, man, there's a lot of time spent with uh, loving your your spouse, taking care of your kids. You can probably relate to this woman in this video if you're a married person with kids. Lots of you have been there, haven't you? You know what I'm talking about. And moms, man, I know it's hard. But we can become distracted. We can feel like there's no time for really serving the Lord because of the demands of, uh, of taking care of a family. Men, I get where you're at. We, we can get distracted by our careers because we've got this overwhelming sense of responsibility. I have to take care of my wife. I have to prepare for my kids to go to college. I've got to put money away. I have to prepare for retirement because I've got a bunch of people that I'm taking care of. And these things can become distractions and prevent us from serving the Lord. 
And those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to quit your job, okay? I'm not telling you to abandon your family. And if you're not happy in your marriage, Paul is saying, listen, you got to know. Read this chapter carefully. He wants us to know, listen, stay put. God's plan is that married people will have permanent relationships. And it's so tempting for us to say, you know what, I think God is calling me to something else. The Corinthians thought maybe they were being called to celibacy. And Paul said, you're out of your brains. Okay, Read the chapter, you'll get it. But if you're married, serve the Lord. Here's some ways I see married connectors serving the Lord, and it's awesome to watch. We have married connectors who volunteer for ministries as a couple, and they serve together so that their ministry responsibilities don't don't take them away from each other. And I think that's awesome. This has always been something Chris and I love to do. We love to serve together. Because we don't have a lot of time. Our jobs prevent us from spending a lot of time together. So we don't want ministry to take us apart. So we do ministry together. We serve the Lord together. We've got other connectors who lead connection groups in their homes so their kids can be with their connection group. It's a great way to serve the Lord and serve the connect community. We have connectors who include their kids in their ministries so their kids can see ministry modeled and they will learn to serve by following mom and dad. It's an awesome example. Many of you know that last weekend we were in Colorado Springs at a funeral and uh, it, was a, it was a very sad thing, but at the same time, the funeral was so inspirational because the woman who passed away in this car accident, uh, our friend Heather, was a woman who served the Lord with her whole life. And she was a busy woman. She was married. She had three children. Uh, She had a career. She was a nurse. In fact, Chris and I met her when she was finishing up her nursing degree, and she was working at a hospital in Great Falls where we were serving. And, and, And Heather's whole life was given to serving the Lord. Even though she loved emergency medicine, the Lord had spoken to her and had called her to, to practice nursing in an old folks' home so she could care for people at the end of their lives and lead them to Jesus. That was her focus. wasn't necessarily her love, but that's what the Lord had called her to do. But in addition to that, she served by volunteering in her church. And at this funeral, the pastor talked about how her kids volunteered because they volunteered with mom. Mom was volunteering, the kids volunteered. What a great example. She was a lunch lady. She was a crossing guard. Anywhere she could serve and be with her kids and serve the Lord and be a light for Jesus, that's where Heather was. And all of us came away from that that funeral saying, I want to be more like Heather because Heather looked a lot like Jesus. And she didn't let her family responsibilities slow her down. So if you're married, friends, I know you're really busy. And I get it but you can serve the Lord effectively too if you won't let those responsibilities become a distraction for you. So we've talked about single people. We've talked about married people. What about divorced people? What's your call? Well, it's just like the first two groups. Serve the Lord. If you're divorced, man, you have a great future ahead of you serving the Lord.
What's your biggest distraction if you're divorced? I'm guessing that it's probably that feeling of rejection. You may have a lot of uh, rejection feelings. You might be struggling with remorse if you made mistakes. And those kinds of things can cripple us from serving the Lord effectively. There's a verse in the Bible that says, God hates divorce. And do you know who quotes that verse to me most often when I'm visiting with people? Divorced people. Quote that verse to me. Because that verse is something that goes deep, and divorced people struggle with the pain of that verse. And if you're struggling with that pain, here's what I know. Although God's design for marriage is to be permanent, it doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes you can't control all the situations in your life. And I really believe this. I want you to hear me today. Although God hates divorce, God does not hate divorced people. In fact, here's something that's that I want you to think about. Jesus understands your pain. Although he was never married, Jesus struggled with the pain of rejection. Do you remember his words when he was on the cross? One of his last words on the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus understands your pain. He had been rejected by the world. He'd been rejected by his own followers. Even his inner circle had pretended that they didn't know him. And as he was hanging on the cross, he felt like his father even had rejected him. That's a lot of pain. Jesus gets your pain. But if you're divorced, I want you to know God has a great plan for your life. You're not a second-class citizen because of your situation. In fact, I see divorced people here at Connect serving in amazing ways. And let me tell you why. In our small group this last week, somebody shared some verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I had never looked at these closely. I I want you to see these on the screen today. 2 Corinthians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Would you say comfort? The God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Here's what I know about divorced people and serving the Lord. Divorced people have a ton of empathy because you've been through it. And the connectors who have gone through this pain minister comfort to other connectors here in this church body with compassion and tenderness. And you guys have the ability to change people's lives because you understand the pain that divorced people are going through. 
And when you commit yourself to serving the Lord, you can be an absolute rock star of ministry. That God takes this comfort that he's giving you and turns it into the comfort that you can reflect to others. God can use you powerfully as you use your life to serve him. So uh, next week we're going to talk about what's next for divorced people. I hope you'll be here. Uh, is it God's plan for me to remarry? What does Jesus say about divorce and remarriage? We're going to take a look at all of that kind of stuff. And we'll take a d- deeper dive. But today, if you've experienced the pain of divorce, here's the deal. I want you to know I am so sorry for the pain you've gone through. But I'm also so grateful for the ministry you bring to Connect Church. You are valuable to this church. So let's wrap up with these words that Jesus said on the cross. The very last words Jesus said on the cross was this. He said, it is finished. I could preach a whole sermon about these three words, it is finished, and I'm not going to today. But Jesus was communicating when he said those words. Your debt is paid. It's finished. It's done. Sin is atoned for. The struggle is over. Everything is now complete. And that word complete is an important word. In fact, if you're, if you're taking notes this morning, you might even want to write complete in your margin. Because one of the things I know is that whether you're single or you're married or you're divorced or you're separated, a lot of times we feel incomplete. But the reality is because of the work of Jesus, he makes our lives complete. That is his mission. He is bringing completeness to your life. And when we eliminate the distractions... When we focus on serving him, that's when we find completeness. And it's not always in the arms of the next lover. It's in the arms of Jesus. So can we pray together this morning? Jesus, thank you so much for being our God who lived life as a man And who understands our weaknesses and our trials and our temptations, our struggles, our longing for happiness. You understand all of these things, Jesus. And today as we contemplate the teaching of this chapter from 1 Corinthians, Lord, I know that some of it is difficult for many of us because we just have that hole in our heart. Lord, I want to pray that miraculously you will help us to free ourselves from distractions and you will help us to focus on serving you. That we will give our lives to loving you, serving you, serving others. And with a single focus, we will fix our eyes on you and and be patient as you fill that empty place in our hearts. I know you're faithful, Lord Jesus. I know you're faithful. So help us to trust you, we pray in Jesus' name.